Hello and welcome back to Building Better Basketball, the Basketball Australia Coaches Podcast. I'm Neil Gray, Community Coach Development Manager at Basketball Australia. I'm joined today by my favourite Opal, if I'm allowed to have one. So I'm really excited to have this chat. Beck Allen's been a fan favourite all over the world in the WNBL, WNBA and Eurobasket. With her defensive ability and sharp shooting skills, it's easy to see why she's often the one that catches a watching coach's eye for ideas on how they can get their players to come close to replicating her talents. I'm looking forward to talking about all that with her and hearing the thoughts of one of our brightest Australian stars in America on basketball around the world. Beck, thank you so much for giving up your time today and welcome to Building Better Basketball. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate the introduction as well. Beck, as I said, your career has taken you all over the world, most recently in Spain and, and the US. As a player, how do you find the game, I suppose, differs from country to country and, and probably most relevant, the, the coaching? Yeah, I the Spanish basketball is something that I, I really enjoy playing and being a part of. And I actually think that my game has grown from being in their, their type of system because I think if you look at past even Spanish national teams, they don't have a lot of bigs. They're, they're not gifted with a lot of the you know post players that we've had here in Australia and America, all of that sort of stuff. So they've learned their IQs are extremely impressive and how they're timing, they're cutting, their way of moving without the ball. And I think that that's a skill that is maybe very underrated in other countries, but you see how this is drilled into them from a very young age. Because when we're practicing like in Valencia, we sometimes had the younger girls come in and join us if we need more numbers. But their ability to read play for me was one of the most impressive, um, Im impressive parts. Um, but then you also see how styles change, like from the Spanish league to the French league, which is more physical. They've got very strong bodies in that league too, and but love playing a fast-paced game as well. And then you go somewhere like America, and um, that's just, I think, athleticism, strength, all that goes to another, another degree. And so if you're maybe not as athletic as some others, then you've got to find, well, what are your skill sets? What do you give? What do you provide? And all that sort of stuff. So... I mean, I, I am lucky that I'm gifted with being athletic, um, but I, I'm not always at the same level as, as some of the people that we're talking about. But, um, but yeah, the, the change of style is something that I honestly believe has helped me with my game on the international uh, level. How does it go uh, with the language barrier in Spain? Is, is, Eng is English the, the commonly used language or have you picked up some uh, very conversational basketball Spanish? Oh, look, it's definitely all Spanish there. You'll have some things interpreted, um, but I'm actually learning Spanish still now. Um, I love the language. I think it's a beautiful language and I can speak a little bit present tense, but we go to the past tense and I, and I struggle a lot. Um, but for me, the Spanish language in particular is one that I enjoy hearing. I enjoy listening to because it's quite a happy sort of um, language and tone. And um, so it, it is hard though, sometimes sitting at a table, you've got everyone's talking and it's a lot harder if it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation in Spanish even that I struggle obviously but um, sometimes the language can make you it can make it a bit lonely if I'm honest. But obviously the basketball on the court you you managed to find that common language I suppose with your teammates and and mm -hmm. once you get into a rhythm it becomes a, a bit more kind of instinctive rather than For sure. uh, structured yeah. For sure. They'll speak to me in English. So it's, yeah, that's, that's makes it easy. Usually when we get a coach or someone with a coaching background to come on, I ask them the 
question that we always ask coaches to come away from a coaching course with, which is what's their coaching philosophy? How do they want to present themselves to their players and to their coaching community and, and all their stakeholders? I saw a great quote from one of your ex-teammates, no, no relation to me, Rashonda Gray from the Liberty, where she said, if you don't make a shot or you can't get a rebound, you don't visibly like overthink it and dread on it was her exact um, quote. Is that perceived resilience, I suppose, that she spoke about something you've always had or is it something that you've worked on? Because I think regardless of age, that's an ability that all the coaches that are listening to this would love to be able to help their players achieve. It, it, it's one of the biggest things. And I think that it honestly is what separates the good players from the great ones. Um, and I think that some of it, so much of it comes from within um, and it's learnt. It's a hundred percent learnt in some sense. So for me, it's a work in progress. And I think it'll be a work in progress always um, because that's just, it's the mental side and having that inner confidence of, Hey, I've got the next shot. I'm going to make, the next one or it's also not so much just being based on make or miss and being so black and white because there's so many other aspects of the game you know so it's like okay I missed that shot but I'm having this impact and this influence in the game in so many other areas so I, I've really tried to move my or shift my mindset to a it's not just that result base of did it go in was it the right shot can I find a better shot like is there a way of okay I missed the last three shots which is it, it, that, it does get me like it does get me down still like something I struggle with it's like okay let's get to the rim how can I get fouled and just see the ball go through the net when I shoot two free throws you know so there's there's so many learned things but even like Rashonda said it, it's in such a great way of you need to if you don't take the shot also how you're always going to miss it you know so you need yeah. to have that inner confidence of hey I'm a I'm a great player and this is where my strengths are so Maybe there's an off game, but don't let it interfere for the next game or the next half. Was that something that young Beck had or is that something that's come with all the misses has come with that? It's not the end of the world when you when you miss three straight, you'll the sun will still rise tomorrow, Beck. <laughs> well, I love that you say that it's come to me because it's definitely I'm not there yet. It's 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 really something that I have to work on every single practice not even just games even practices games all of that sort of stuff where you just need to be constantly reminding yourself and there was a stage where I wrote like I'd write a couple of words maybe on my hand so I'll look down at that and it'd be my my trigger and I realized maybe that doesn't work for me but it works for someone else and that's that's a good thing but well you know what is what is going to be your three things that you go to that you know that is purely about effort so that's where my focus goes to it's like effort and how can I bring people together so that's my thing is always okay think about everyone else rather than me the minute you start thinking about yourself I don't think the good things come from it so I think okay if you think how can I get someone else's confidence up because the minute you start giving all this positive sort of affirmation and then words and you're talking it means you're connected so I think that the as long as you keep that connected nature with the people that are around you how can you not lift with that yeah and I think that's the that's the challenge for coaches because they've obviously got five to ten people like like you say they're all going to have their different things that bring them back out of mm -hmm. out of the kind of spiral that they're in how yeah. can they get them back into the into the rowing the same way I guess exactly you've had some great mentors in your time in basketball I'm sure and as part mm -hmm. of a Sports Australia initiative this year, we're going to try and pilot some mentoring initiatives for community coaches. 
to go with our high performance mentoring that we have in place. Who are some of the mentors in your journey from, it can be in Australia or overseas that have given you the greatest assistance and, and what was it about them that, that made them so good? Um, the one that will come to my mind every time is Guy Malloy. Um, he's, uh, I mean, I'd consider him a friend as much as uh, like a mentor and he's, He's also someone that likes to take things all the way back to, okay, let's talk about the fundamentals and just bring you back to such specific details when it comes to your practices and workouts. So then you're focusing so much on that and you don't even realize how much better that you're getting. Um, and, I, and I think that sometimes we're moving away from the fundamentals individually and so much about, okay, this is the collective team. These 10 people need to be working in this way as a group rather than going back to okay your own personal fundamentals um so for that reason i'm super grateful for guy because i've needed all of that for going abroad because going overseas i'm not you're not really learning in that sense because it's so based on wins and losses it's about the team it's not about you you know um but with, with guys is he knows how to communicate he's a a really good communicator with his people with his players he knows that I'm different to the person next to me. So he's going to speak in a different way. Um, and he just, he personally, he gave me so much confidence, so much confidence. And so he's someone that whenever like I'm in Melbourne and he's here too, I'll always contact to do some workouts with. Awesome. I think I'm going to have to get Guy on. I realized today that we have a mutual friend in common who randomly brought him up and then you and Tess have both mentioned oh, Tess him would as well. speak very highly of him as well. We should speak very highly. She did. She almost, uh, she almost called herself a stalker of Guy Malloy on last week's ah. episode. So, um, That's hilarious. It's hard to read. Whenever anyone talks about any basketball player, there's always a word that goes with them that the journalists kind of throw in there. And one of the one that you get most commonly is sharpshooter Beck Allen or dead eye mm. shooter Beck Allen. And Obviously, for coaches at all levels, shooting is one of the most debated skills. How do you train it? How do you master it? And one of the things that, as a fan watching you, and it's one of the reasons, as I said at the top, you are my favourite Opal to watch in a game, is that there's a belief when you have the ball that every shot's going to go in. It's almost kind of Steph Curry-esque. Is that where you start from mentally, like that wherever you whatever shot that you take it's going to go in and then you groove the rhythm from there or is there more of a process for you in shooting when you're kind of practicing it yeah I really do I'm someone I'm, I'm a confidence player I think a lot of players are but when I've seen the ball go through the net like a couple times in a row I'm like oh, okay it's my day you know and that's when you know that okay I'm going to just find I'm going to find my shots I'm going to find my looks and and we've all got things that we like to go to. Like for me, there's no secrets. I love going left. I will, I will do most things. You'll take it away and I'll find a way to go back to it. <laughs> um, so, but I also think it's funny because I've been doing some workouts right now with Chris Anstey and I'm like, look, I want to try and make, get more moves going right. He's like, but why? Like why go away from your bread and butter in a sense and finding ways of, okay, go to your right, but find a way of coming back to the left. And, and I like that because I think that so many times coaches are like, how can we add to your game? We need to add, add, add. And, I agree with that. I do agree with that. But then there's a point where you go, okay, I'm really very good at these things in particular. Let's make them better. Do you know? Because it's pretty hard to stop you. It's pretty hard to stop a step back in the end. You know, you're creating that sort of space. And if you just know where you are on the corner, it's, 
I really believe that with shooting, obviously your arm and hand, that technique is very important. But for me, I believe it all comes from legs and feet. Um, and yeah, and, and I also don't believe in the textbook shooting style. I'll never believe in that because I'm far from textbook, but purely also because of my shoulder ricos, I can't get my arm straight. It has to come across here. And people can be like, wow, like who taught her how to shoot like that? I'm like, well, in some ways it's been pretty impressive because each time I've come back from each Rico, I've had to learn how to shoot again with a new, with a new phase of where my arm can go to. So I, I don't know. I, I think that no one's got this perfect textbook. And if, if you do good on you, <laughs> but I think that everyone's got the unique tweaks and I, and I don't mind that. I think it's a couple of things there. So I'll try and remember them. So actually when, when we were at the world cup and they had the launch, there was a, Girl, her name's Lauren Cheeto from New South Wales. She's a left arm fast bowler and she's had three shoulder reconstructions and she mm. keeps coming back and learning how to bowl fast and everything like that. And I remember having a chat with her and she was like, oh, it's taking a bit of time this time and they're trying to get me to do this. And I'm like, Lauren, the fact that you can get your arm like above your head constantly is, is, impressive. is impressive. Don't stress the small stuff. And I think, you find what works for you that's most important safe i guess and then mm -hmm. uh, repeatable and then effective they're the kind of three yeah. steps it's got to be safe then can you repeat it and then is it effective and it's the same with with shooting and then sure. the other point that you made that's really important i think especially for young coaches of young players is you don't you're never going to get a player it's the nba 2k fifa era where everyone wants to get the player bar to like 10 out of 10 or 99 out of 100 you're yeah. actually an elite player if you've got 10 bars that are over 75 you're going to be virtually yeah. unguardable so don't yeah. worry about if going left is at 90 and going right's only at 60 because if you go in if you're successful going left 90 percent of the time then that's that's elite go back so, to it yeah, yeah. But just you, you touched on there and it's one of the debates that we had in a previous episode with someone that had talked about momentum and, and things like that in games where I, it sounds like on the great NBA jam style debate of that players on fire, they've got a hot hand. You sound like you're, you're in, uh, in favor of that. So have there been times in games where you just think doesn't matter where I'm getting the ball. It doesn't matter who's guarding me. I'm not missing. Just I'm, yeah. I'm on today. I do. You do love those games where you just feel like, oh, you know, it's all going your way. Um, and, and you almost don't need to even be looking at the ring and you know it's going to go in. <laughs> it's always it's always great having moments like that. But I, what I do like having is is having the confidence of, oh, I want the ball. Like I, let's say in key moments of games, um, even if, let's say, even if you've missed the last few shots and then, you know, this is a, a shot to win the game or to what, whatever it is, a really important shot. I like that I've got the mentality that I want to be the one who takes it. And I think that that's a, I think that's a good quality personally to have is I think ultimately if you're, if you're worried you're going to miss it, there is no chance you're going to make that shot. There's no chance. Yeah. So that's, I think when you realize that there is just such a huge mental and it's mostly mental, obviously the physical is there. There's no, no arguing that, but there's just so much to the, the mindset um, in games. And obviously these games are, go up and down. And so how, how can you bring yourself, if you're in a low, how, do you, how can you get out of it quickly? Because that's, yeah, like you say, that's either when things speed up and you lose your rhythm or 
it's when you take that extra second too long or half second and, and exactly. you lose your rhythm that way. Uh, the other term that's used to describe you most often is uh, that your defense, you're really attentive to detail on, on all the, the little nuances of, of basketball defense. And we've talked about often coaches will preach the message to young players of defense, 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 but young players and, and human nature and any age players, they want to be involved in scoring at the other end. What are some of the ways that you've been able to combine both, I suppose, and was there a coach who really hammered defense into you that changed how you approached it? For sure. I found there's a lot of things I was able to get away with or errors defensively just purely because I'm long. Um, so someone could beat me, but then I they'd put their, you know, go up the shot and I'd be able to block it, you know, or you're a bit late on defense, but you're able to steal the ball, you know. And so I found like I was really leaning on that a lot as a younger player. Um, and the, for me, the fun part of, um, basketball is offense. Like I, I enjoy the offense. I think that's everyone's, you know, highlight to playing. But when I was my first year in New York, Bill Lambier was the coach and he said, he can't play me until I, I play defense. Um, and so I had to, like, I, I didn't play many minutes at all. Um, that, that first year, I mean, every rookie it's, it's pretty similar, but I knew I had to really lock down and focus on that. And, and defense is effort but there's also it's knowing the scout it's knowing who you're playing against what are their tendencies and and really locking in on that because it's just going to make it a lot easier for you so I, it was it was a learned thing and it took I had to really focus on it for a couple of years to get myself because I was considered a very bad defender in America at the start and then it's just for me it's almost laughable how people love to jump on that and then very quickly they're changing to being like oh she's a great defender or that's one of, you know, my listed of qualities. I just find, I find all this stuff just very, very funny um, how things can change as quickly as they're, you're labelled. Yeah, it's the, as almost the social media era, the, the, the well, as soon as one person says it, it starts to become a, because uh, the truth doesn't yeah. it yeah it's ridiculous like even what they say about Ben Simmons can't shoot and so but look at everything else he does and it also goes back to it goes back to the list of things of okay that's not your best thing I mean you can work on it but also you've got these other talents as well but people love to hone in on hone in on a negative sometimes yeah. it's it's not a surprise to anyone that would have watched Bill Lambier on the Detroit Pistons bad boys that he would have a uh, focus on defense You've mentioned a couple of times that you're you're back um, shooting around and practicing, which for every basketball fan around the world, I think they'll be delighted. But with your recovery period post the World Cup, you have been able to watch heaps of the WNBL, and I know you've been in the crowd for some games, and I'm sure you've, you've watched the rest at home. I guess, firstly, how do you go as a spectator watching games? Because some elite players are able to Switch relax off. and watch a game. Yeah. While others yeah. are like in and out of their seat, like just can't focus. How do you go? I'm enjoying it to be completely honest. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying going watching this. So many of them are my friends as well. So I feel like I'm going to the games and I'm just, I'm cheering on, you know, and, and it's also really nice to be back here and be able to spend this time to see so many different teams. Like I'm obviously, because I played my career with Melbourne Boomers like that's that's sort of where I'm going to to watch most of my games, but it's nice seeing the other teams as well and 
And, um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely someone who can very easily sort of switch off with that and just be, and happily be a spectator. Like that's never going to be a problem for me. <laughs> what have you noticed about the change in the WNBL? I suppose from when you last played in it to where, where it is this season, I suppose. Yeah. I just love seeing how it's just grown in, in especially like through Melbourne, it's, the, the crowds that have come to the games are fantastic. I think that they're just creating a following and, and really creating a, a product that people are like, hey, I want to come back and watch it again. I'm going to bring my friends next time. And I think you just have so many great athletes and it's just showcasing and just getting people in first. And you can tell that like individual teams are really making these strides. Um, and even from when I was there, I know it's been eight years since I was playing um, in the WBL that it was... I think it's I think it's eight years, but it's just grown. It's grown so much in this in this time. So it's like I know it's something that every player is very proud of, but it's even for myself. So even going to the games, I've tried to make sure I put some things up on on socials as well, just because I think that that's important. That's how you communicate it. That's how you get the the product out. As you said, the with the World Cup, uh, that was awesome and amazing, and has driven so much of the momentum in to the WNBL getting off to the strong start with the in-person attendance all around Australia and the feeling as a female basketball, as you said, from someone working at Basketball Australia and, and talking to the athletes on uh, regular occasions is that it's really positive and, and an exciting time to be involved. And yeah. Lauren is putting so much effort into the She Hooks platform to create this legacy to encourage not only female players, but administrators, referees, coaches to become involved. And that's all trickling down into increased participation from young girls, which is obviously bringing the next generation of vocals through, which is essential. Mm. So if a young Beck Allen was shooting around on the court next to you and came over and asked present day Beck Allen for some tips, what are you telling her to work on or do to give her the best chance to, to reach those kind of top levels? Um, I think, I'm, I know this one sounds airy-fairy, but I, I really do believe in it. I think it's always find the joy in it. Um, there's there's joy in so many ways. It's the joy of being around your friends. It's also the joy in hard work, um, enjoying all of those processes, because I think when you're challenged, that's when it brings out a really good side of you. It brings out growth. Um, so always find the joy in it, in the hard and the, and the or you can't call it easy, but, you know, in all the moments. Um, I think the other piece of advice that I, it's still something I need is, is patience, have patience. And that, that's on the court. I'm talking in terms of not everything needs to be fast. Not everything needs to be doing it at the quickest pace possible to get open. There's so much in stopping. There's so much in that change of pace of how you're moving to get open, how you're moving when you have the ball in your hands. And so the art of patience will be a huge one. And the third piece for me, I think it would just be definitely always making sure that you go back to your fundamentals often is to always go back to, okay, footwork, how, you know, doing the touch shots before practice, doing all those little things that become second nature and you're not thinking about it, but purely because you're putting in that time. It might sound boring to people listening. They're like, oh, why do these people that Neil interviews keep saying fundamentals? Like I, I know the fundamentals, we work on them every day. I'm like, Anytime a coach asks me, I'm like you, you can't work on them often enough because in pressure, that's what you 
that's what mm -hmm. you need to go back to. You need to have that solid base. Everything else is the solid built base. on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think it's your, your fitness. Like I, I know when I was even a, a junior, like, I mean, I was doing more than what the practices were with the teams. Like I would go with my dad and do sprint sessions, the oval. And it's because I wanted to, because I enjoyed it. It was also our, our bonding time, you know, but you go to the local school and you, you're shooting a bit more again there. Like I still don't know how I was shooting on concrete <laughs> right now. There's no <laughs> chance of me being able to do that. But like I, I was doing it because I wanted to, but I just think that when you're also at another level of fitness, you're able to do all these other things. And we go back to fundamentals or whatever else, but you're able to do it better because you're fitter and you've got the energy in the tank to be able to do it, do it well. Um, so yeah, fitness is always a really big one for me too. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be, fitness and basketball that's really important for young people as well like you just said it's, yeah. it's running it can be other sports incidental running there's there's loads of ways to achieve that fitness yeah uh, Beck, the final question that we ask everyone that comes on the podcast if you could ask any coach of any sport whether they're with us or passed on a question who would the coach be and what would the question be um, I had a good think about this one, actually, um, because it's interesting. I've decided to go with Damien Hardwick, who's a Richmond football coach. And the question is, after winning a premiership, how do you, what's your approach for the second year? Do you continue with the same type of motivation, the, the same style, the same process of how you achieved the last premiership? Or do you change it because do you, does the motivation need to change? Does the tactics need to change? So that's my question is, is okay, once you've won it once, how do you win it again? Are you a Tigers fan, Beck? No, I'm Essendon. No. I'm Essendon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should have started with that. I'm disappointed <laughs> I didn't start. I need a disclaimer. I'm Essendon. But we haven't done so well for a long time, so I can't use anything from that. <laughs> Beck, thank you so much for giving up your time. There were so many really great comments in there that I think will provoke not only thinking, but also how coaches approach dealing with their players, tactics, and most importantly, the, the communication and mental side of the game. As a fan, as a BA staff member, we can't wait to have you back on the court and we're really looking Thank forward you. to having the uh, Opals girls representing and sydney later on this year so thank sure. you so much oh no worries thank you